0: Welcome to Brainwaves. Every two weeks we bring you the best in tabletop gaming news. I'm one of your hosts,
1: Jamie Adams. And I'm the other host, Ian McAllister, and these are the headlines for the week of 22nd of August, 2022. Wizards presents the future of Dungeons & Dragons, an awards trifecta, and Gamma gets some new heads. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. For the headlines, a quick update
0: for you. In the last episode, we covered some of the events around Gen Con, the games convention held in Indianapolis in the United States of America. The state of Indiana had recently passed a law all but banning abortion in the state. We speculated this may have some effect on Gen Con's future in Indianapolis and said that they were committed to Indiana through to 2023. It turns out we were incorrect. They're committed through to 2026. Our apologies for getting that wrong.
1: In an announcement that resembled a bag of holding, Wizards of the Coast has committed to the future of Dungeons & Dragons, their iconic role-playing game. In a showcase event on Thursday the 18th of August called Wizards Presents, the company announced their schedule into 2023 and what the future of the role-playing franchise would now look like. They set out their vision for a product with the working title 1D&D, which will be the next iteration of the ruleset. It will be an evolution of the 5th edition rule set, with the rules being backwards compatible with all books currently out for that line. Three new core rulebooks will be released in 2024 to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the franchise. In the video announcing this, they say that they are no longer thinking of Dungeons & Dragons in terms of edition. It's just D&D or just Dungeons & Dragons now. You can get involved with playtesting the new rules through your D&D Beyond account right now. A new set of rulebooks was almost the smallest thing announced, however. As we've been predicting on the cast for some time, there is going to be a Dungeons & Dragons dedicated virtual tabletop. Currently in development and called Dungeons & Dragons Digital, the trailer for this showed detailed 3D models being able to be moved around a virtual tabletop. It uses a technique called tilt-shift to make the models look like you're playing with miniatures on a tabletop. Very little of this was shown off during the presentation, and they said they were still in the very early stages with this work. The recent acquisition of d and Beyond that we covered back in Cast 96 is now also going to be a big part of the future of the game. Wizards announced that in the future there will be physical and digital bundles for all their products, which they haven't offered before. Spacefaring Setting Spelljammer is out now in the United States, September over here, and the High Fantasy Dragonlance is coming back to the franchise in Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen. This Dragonlance product will be the first to be released as a physical and digital bundle. And multi-planar mega-setting Planescape is also making a return in late 2023. Wizards also announced that Dungeons & Dragons is also going to be headed to Japan with new starter products coming to the territory. And there's a lovely little Japanese advert I encourage you to watch. It's pretty good. Alongside all the Dungeons & Dragons announcements was a bunch of Magic the Gathering announcements as well. There's a whole new bunch of sets coming over 2023, of course. And, but they also announced a bunch of crossovers with other established IPs, including Warhammer 40,000, Lord of the Rings, and the big surprise one was Doctor Who. Now, we've already covered the Warhammer
0: 40,000 uh, crossover.
1: I believe we have, yeah. I we did, I remember yes. we're, And I think we touched on Lord of the Rings at some point as well, but I, Doctor <laughs> Who was one that hadn't been announced previously. Now, the things that
0: I found very interesting from this was it's about time that they're bringing out physical and uh, electronic bundles for their... what's the word? For, the, for, for their
1: books. Yeah, it's always been ridiculous that that's not been the case. A lot of uh, yes. publishers do do that through the bits and mortar scheme, so publishers like evil hat publishing a lot of the indie publishers do that where you can buy the physical book in your friendly local game shop and you get a pdf through drive-through or, or somewhere like that as well yes. now interesting saying that dungeons and dragons is heading to japan
0: because as far as i'm aware it is there obviously but they're obviously doing a bigger focus on it because the biggest rpg in japan is not dungeons and dragons it's call of cthulhu oh
1: right and I didn't know that. yeah
0: big like okay I need to double-check this, but I do believe that that Call of Cthulhu is the biggest RPG in Japan. Yeah, so they're going to try and shift, you know, bring the D&D banner straight there.
1: Yeah, so yeah, they're announcing a major bunch of changes to the way Dungeons & Dragons has been released in the past. It sounds like they're basically thinking of one D&D as the sort of continuous future of the product it makes sense we've been talking about this on the cast over the last year or two that fifth edition has been so big it's had such a big following it's grown the franchise so much that it has seemed incredibly foolish to abandon it for a totally new edition so something iterative like this was kind of inevitable and that's what we're seeing now i do wonder what it means for the relationship with roll 20 because they obviously they announced a big sort of hookup with a. Uh, one bookshelf through drive through rpg and also a hook into roll 20 for being able to use your dnd products in roll 20 with their own vtt now their own virtual tabletop in dungeons and dragons digital will they keep that relationship going i, I don't see why not i guess i don't, I don't see why not but i think i don't i don't see why not but i think they're probably going to
0: phase it out slowly yeah. because now you've got your official one where you can get things that you can't get on roll 20 and at the end of the day yeah, Rule 20 may be successful for D&D, but it doesn't come under the auspices of Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast. So they might slowly start um, withdrawing products. Also, during the during the presentation, they were taking great pains to call the 5th edition rulebook, what, what we call the 5th edition rulebook, the 2014 rulebook. I mean, fair enough, but we will keep calling it the 5th edition rulebook because...
1: I think they're just trying to get away from that word because they know addition wars are a thing. I mean, they're not going to succeed, but... Oh, I know, not, are you? Yeah, that'll just be how it is. Anyway, Jamie, I noticed you are wearing not one, not two, but three awards Homburgs. Yes, because have you ever seen a guy wearing three hats before? Exactly. I'd say I have. No, no it seems no, exactly. excessive
0: and, and warm. Yep, it's, it's very warm, especially considering the heatwave in Scotland recently. <clears throat> The UK magazine Tabletop Gaming has recently announced its award nominees for 2022. The finalists were voted on by the public, and the winners will be similarly determined. The Best Board Game category currently features current game du jour Arc Nova from Capstone Games, alongside Bitoku from DeVere and Crescent Moon from Osprey Games. The Best Miniatures game is a bit of an unusual category featuring both board games with miniatures, like Sniper Elite, and miniatures games like Stargrave. Also, there's a Best Intergenerational Game for Games That Cross the Age Divide category, which includes Core Requests from Bright Eye Games. Tabletop Gaming Live will take place on the 17th and 18th of September in Manchester's Victoria Warehouse. Now I've got to say, it's more. Awards? Fine. Ian, I think you quite like the interne- intergenerational games category, was that yeah, it?
1: Yeah, it's quite an interesting category, that. Yeah, I like it. Yep. Crossing the age divide and looking for games that do that well. That's, that's yep. an interesting thing to look at.
0: I, I quite liked the best, best way to die in an RPG award.
1: It is that's how It's a bit of a weird one, because it's just people voting in with the way their characters, or if they've seen characters die in their home games. It's a oh, bit yeah. odd,
0: but okay. It's odd, but uh, I think I also quite like the best, best way. Yeah. But that's that's not all. The Harvey Awards, one of the comics industry's oldest and most prestigious awards. That's according to their website. And one of the categories it awards every year is the Best Adaptation from a Comic Book or Graphic Novel Award. Now, what does this have to do with tabletop games? One of the nominees this year is Mind Management, the psychic espionage game, based on the graphic novel Mind Management from Matt Kint, and published by Dark Horse Comics. Now, it's up against the Miss Marvel TV show the most recent Batman film directed by Matt Reeves, and the film Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. So it's great to see board games, you know, getting the attention of other parts of the hobby sphere, but it is just an adaptation of a comic and it's up against lots of other things. So it's still good to see.
1: I mean, maybe if it does well, we'll see a bit more of that kind of crossover. I mean, we, we, obviously we've seen sort of Batman themed games uh, through Kickstarters and such like. So yeah, maybe we'll see a bit more crossover with comics in the future, especially as Marvel continues to grow and grow and grow. I was going to say, crossovers
0: are nothing new, especially with comics. Marvel Legendary, Marvel Crisis Protocol, yeah. Marvel Heroes, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Uh, as you said, Batman, Gotham City Chronicles, Love Letter but, Batman, but, it's nothing new. This is the first
1: new, time but, an award has actually been... look. Uh, this is possibly. the first time one of those crossovers has really been sort of offered an award, I think, by something that isn't in the board game industry itself, I think.
0: Possibly, yes. And also, because it's a bit of a... Bit of a different thing. It's not a comic that most people would go, oh, I know that one. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't heard of it before the board game came out, for instance. But wait, that's not all. Back in episode 102, we covered the Ennie Award nominations for 2022. The Ennie Awards specifically focus on role-playing games. The winners were announced on August the 8th, the day our last podcast went out, hence why we didn't cover it. The Ennies award a gold and silver award in a variety of award categories. The best game gold went to Thirsty Sword Lesbians, written by April Kit Walsh and published by Evil Hat Productions. It also won gold for product of the year. The Root RPG took the silver in best game. The best family game gold was given to Home, written by J-Dragon and published by Possum Creek Games, with the Questlings RPG taking silver. Other significant winners include the Call of Cthulhu classic prop set and Dune Adventures in the Imperium from Modiphius. Congratulations to all the nominees and winners. And that is all.
1: Are you sure? No more awards. No more awards for now that I can think of.
0: Like a tiny one. No, I don't have a little hat fascinator.
1: Disappointing. The Game Manufacturers Association, which is described by Wikipedia as a non-profit trade association based in Columbus, Ohio, dedicated to the advancement of the non-electronic social games industry, met on August 18th and elected new officers. Grace Collins of Snowbrite Studios, who had been interim president for the last month, becomes vice president. Stephen Broussard from Funko Games becomes treasurer. Monica Mayarasso from Meeple at Sea becomes secretary. And Frank West from the City of Games becomes president. We reached out to Frank for comment on his appointment and he got back to us. He did say that he hasn't as yet had his kickoff meeting where he will be officially taking up the position, but went on to say, Gamma has gone through a lot of changes in the past two years with the restructuring of the board to bring in a wider array of voices. And now with a fresh new president, it's in the best possible place for a new start. I believe Gamma can do a lot of good for our hobby, and I'll be doing what I can to provide the association with a voice that will help people see the good things it is doing to better the industry for us all. Congratulations to all the appointees, especially Frank West. We had him on the cast recently for an onstage, and he was a really fascinating person to talk to. I think he'll do great things with that position, and I think it's I'm not sure if it's the first time someone from outside the U.S. has been Gamma president, but it's not been very often, for sure. So it's interesting for them to get someone with a non-U.S. perspective as president of the organization. Now, on to the rest of the news.
0: Embracer Group, the new owners of board game giant Asmodee, amongst a whole host of other companies, has been on a bit of a buying spree recently. Amongst its recent purchases, it has agreed to acquire Middle-Earth Enterprises, which own the rights to The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, across films, video games, merchandising, pretty much any expression of that franchise, including board games. Now, it's also recently acquired several computer games companies, including Tripwire Interactive, Tuxedo Labs, and Limited Run Games. Now, what does this mean for the future of, for example, the One Ring RPG, which just had its second edition published
1: by Free League Publishing? We don't know. Free League is not owned in any way by Asmodee or the Embracer Group, which is why we're sort of speculating on that part of it. I mean, obviously, uh, Asmodee owns Fantasy Flight Games. It publishes the Lord of the Rings card game, so that's probably secure for some time, and it's going through a sort of revival at the moment as it um, reprints a lot of old expansions in a new format. Um, Yeah, and uh, I guess it secures the future of any company that Asmodee owns that has Lord of the Rings properties already. But for those outside that sphere, does that mean... Those games will disappear. Who knows? Or maybe Embracer will just go and buy them as well. (laughs) What, like Games Workshop? Yeah. Games Workshop, that's an interesting one. Would Embracer buy Games Workshop? Maybe? Possibly? Mm, I don't know. Because I think Games Workshop are currently on a bit of a... I know they've just recently released a new starter set for Lord of the Rings. They are releasing a
0: new Battle of Osgiliath starter set for Lord of the Rings. You remember that Games Workshop does Lord of the Rings Warhammer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very popular amongst those who like it, but I don't think it's like one of their big franchises, really. So, who knows? Renegade Games Studios have been making quite a name for themselves over the past few years, with games like the revival of Vampire the Masquerade RPG, the Bargain Quest board game, and various franchise-focused games. The company's success has led to them taking on more folk on the RPG side of the business. Sarah Robinson is a seasoned industry veteran that will be taking over as Renegade's creative director of role-playing games, Robinson comes from Paizo Publishing, where she spent more than 18 years working on their games as a conceptual artist, digital illustrator, and graphic designer. In this new role, Robinson will head up all things creative for a Renegade's RPG lines. Renegade also hired Kevin Schluter to be an associate producer for RPGs. He previously worked for Asmodee North America in new product development. In this role at Renegade, Schluter will be focused on RPG production. I mean, the growth of other RPG teams is likely partly down to the continued popularity of D&D. There's bound to be a not- on effect. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's completely down to that. I mean, Renegade have probably been doing some good work themselves. I haven't checked out a lot of their RPG product myself, and I'm sure they're doing some good work there. But yeah, it's the growth of sort of other RPG parts of the industry, indie gaming, all sorts of things have got to be part, partly attributed down to the massive growth of D&D and people's just general interest in role-playing games over the last sort of five years. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes out of them in the next few years, I guess.
0: Cool many or not, the Kickstarter kings and barons of FOMO have engaged in that most dubious of current technological fads, the NFT. They seem to have a collaboration with a company called Monsoon Digital on a project called Zombicide Master. This appears to be digital collectible cards that are limited like real-world collector's cards. If that sounds eerily familiar, it is because the tech that is powering it appears to be blockchain and the NFT. Interestingly enough...
1: Uh, cool money or not I'm not promoting this collaboration funny about that Monso- Monsoon are promoting it really hard and you're like basically as best I could tell I had a wee look at the site this morning you basically you buy these digital packs and you can like merge cards together to get better cards and things like that but it, they are all basically powered by blockchain and NFT though they keep that part of it quite quiet and quite far down the page of what they're talking about so yeah I wonder why yeah it's not a good look cool money or not I mean People are already a bit dubious about your models, and now you're doing this. It's not great, is it? No.
0: Wait, but that's not all with dubious company practices.
1: Indeed, the gift that keeps on giving. Regular listeners may know of our continued coverage of the company currently called TSR that is not affiliated with the original TSR that produced Dungeons & Dragons back in the 70s and 80s. The newest TSR has had coverage for posting various hate speech on its social media channels and being involved in a legal dispute with the current owners of the Dungeons & Dragons license, Wizards of the Ghost. Well, new TSR is back with some hacking-based news. Wizard Tower Games, based in Michigan, tweeted on the 16th of August, Whoever is getting emails from TSR saying we are sending out dungeon crawls in a month, that is false. We have told them to stop involving us in their online drama. New TSR also tweeted out an image of the game Dungeon Crawl featuring the logo of New TSR and said our current printer Wizard Tower games were the initial creator of the game Dungeon Crawl and since we had to put a lot of work into fixing grammar mechanics and look they have have guaranteed all games going out within the next 30 days sorry worth the wait. I have just read that verbatim by the way all the spelling and grammar mistakes that are in there. In response to this, CEO Justin Lanasa, one of the founders of the New TSR, alongside Ernie Gygax Jr. and Steven Dinehart, said the social media accounts of New TSR had been hacked. Whilst it is not for us to speculate or comment upon this, it's not the first time that hacking has been used as a reason for their odd tweets. The aforementioned hate speech on TSR and Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum accounts were also blamed on a rogue hacker. Also interesting is claims that Dungeon Crawl hasn't reached all backers. But new TSR were allegedly giving out copies at the conventions. That is rumour and not something we would normally cover, though. But maybe we've been hacked.
0: A small snippet of news before we move on from role playing. Thanks to publisher Pelgrane Press, a new version of their well regarded RPG 13th Age is in the works and was announced at Gen Con. Now, on board are the original designers Rob Heinsoo and Jonathan Tweet. However, flyers at Gen Con only mentioned Rob Heinsoo was on the project. This wouldn't be news if it wasn't for the fact that Pelgrane publicly disavowed their relationship with Tweet over his comments on race science in 2019. It took a little digging from some folk on Twitter and the Pelgrane Discord to establish that Tweet was helping with the second edition. From the Discord, Kat Tobin, one of the co-owners of Pelgrane, said In response to your questions, we did say in 2019 we were weren't working with Jonathan Tweet, and we have not been. However, Jonathan is working with Rob on 13th Age, second edition. He's just working on the core book, and only because he co-wrote it originally, and Rob felt he couldn't rewrite it by himself. We will not be working with him on anything else. Now, we've not had time to reach out for a comment from Pellegrin at this time.
1: It's a really weird one, this. Pellegrin are pretty vocal in not attending columns because of mass policies and, and various other sort of uh, social, social rights issues, and quite rightly so. But in this case, they parted ways with Jonathan Tweet because of some tweets put back in 2019 over race science. And to not the to publicly disavow him and then not say you're publicly working with him again seems like not that great a move. Like if you're going to work with him again because maybe you've forgiven him or like he's apologized or whatever, I think you need to say that publicly as well. This, is, this has been kind of hidden and was sort of like dug up by some folk on Twitter and then the reply in the Discord from Kat Just not that great a look, really. I think if you're going to go one way with this kind of stuff and disavow a writer and then work them again, you kind of need to say, hey, we're working with this person again. Well, why would they? Because that would, why would anyone do
0: that? Because it would publicly admit that they, we've done this, but we're actually going to do it because, you know. I
1: mean, people can change and people can be forgiven and people can make mistakes and that's okay and it's good to see that thing. And yeah, why not publicly say that? I, I don't know. It's just very strange. Anyway, people we don't need to publicly forgive our wonderful, wonderful patrons. We love, we love you all so much. Thank you so much for continuing to support the cast, especially amongst these very difficult times. Uh, we A big shout-out to our executive producers, James Naylor and Sean Newman. We'll link to all of James and Sean's bits and pieces in the show notes. Uh, you can join them for just $1 a month and get an extended version of the cast. And get a yeah, monthly newsletter as well from myself and Jamie as to what we've been up to behind the scenes and what's coming on the cast in the future and the site Uh there are various ways to support us on the site as well if you'd like to like buy some nice dead metal dice off metallic dice games or get a lovely brainwaves t-shirt from star meeple as well we'll put links to all that in the show notes we are headed to tabletop scotland this weekend 27th and 28th of august we're really looking forward to it. it's our first con post well not post covid it's our first convention for a couple of years at least and myself, Jamie, and Ian Chandler will all be at the con. We're really, really looking forward to meeting up with folk, playing some games, meeting some publishers, and generally having a very good time. It's going to be fantastic. We hope to see some of you there. And if you see us there and our fans of the cast or just want to have a chat with us, do come up and say hello. Yeah, we don't bite much.
0: Depends on the time in the morning. And how much you pay, Jamie? I don't work for pay. Come on, I'm a podcaster. That's a very fair point. Anyway, let's rock out of here. Now, as was mentioned earlier, Spelljammer has returned officially to the Dungeons & Dragons printed universe. Now your party can stop being ground pounders of Toril, if you're playing in the Forgotten Realms, and take to realm space, again, if you're playing in the Forgotten Realms. And what better way to accompany that high-flying adventure than with some rockin' music? Now Wizards of the Coast has got you covered. Bell Jams, an album of original music to accompany the published adventure Light of Zarracis, is available to stream or buy. Light of Zarracis was inspired by the film Flash Gordon and its legendary soundtrack by Queen. The album follows similar beats. Spanning multiple genres and multiple artists, each song hits the beats of one of the campaign sessions that are part of the adventure. Now, Wizards of the Coast previously had D and D senior story designer Chris Perkins create a soundtrack in 2004 for the then newly released Eberron setting, which, if stories are to be believed, is still used as the hold music for Wizards of the Coast.
1: (laughs) I've had a little listen to some of it. Did you bring up Wizards of the Coast to listen to it?
0: I did not. No, I mean I've listened to Spelljam. Sorry, I haven't listened to the Eberron soundtrack. Oh, okay, sure. But uh, some of it sounds pretty good. It's quite uh, fun enough. It's got themes of the Queen soundtrack for uh, Flash Gordon. And, I mean, there is a lot of lyrics. And that it's great. It sounds really good. And I would absolutely, if I had 5th edition books, well, I really want to buy Spelljammer anyway, even if I don't have the 5th edition stuff, because regular listeners of the cast may know I have a huge love of Spelljammer. And I hold it dear in my heart. It's one of my favorite campaigns I've ever played in
1: hope you're gonna run some spelljammer for me jimmy
0: oh i might i might have to get my hands on some uh fifth edition books because i saw i gave mine to my friend
1: i've got a player's handbook lying around here somewhere you can have thank you okay. awesome i'll bring the tabletop's gone anyway folks, thank you very much for listening if you like what you've listened to then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on itunes you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook you can come and chat to us in our discord Our website is giantbrain.co.uk, and you can email us about anything in the show or any future stories you'd like us to cover at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with some of the best tabletop gaming news and we hope you'll join us then. Bye for now. Bye-bye.